Well, welcome to this edition of uh, Human Wisdom Live. And uh, I'm Manoj Krishna, the founder of Human Wisdom. And my guest today is uh, Vineet Taneja, who's in Delhi, in India, and also a human wisdom coach. And today we're going to focus on how can we introduce wisdom-based well-being into organizations. We're going to uh, talk for about 30 minutes and then open it up for uh, questions and comments. We're going to cover five key things. Firstly, talk briefly about the scale of the problem. How much is mental well-being uh, or illness an issue in organizations? What impact is it having? Why is there so much stress and anxiety in the world? Then we're going to talk about the human wisdom approach, which is to go deeper to understand the root cause of it so that you get long-term freedom, if you like, a long-term benefit. Then Vinith has spent his career doing change management. So he's going to give us his insights into how you can bring this into organizations. And we'll end with talking about the benefits to organizations of embracing this whole um, approach. So Vineet, let's get the ball rolling and maybe we could start by asking, how big a problem is this in organizations? Yeah, so I think first thing is to be clear that when we talk about a problem, what is the kind of problem we are talking about? Because um, when you start dealing with issues of uh, <clears throat> mental health or a stress that ensues uh, in the organizations, uh, what you end up seeing is a lot of costs that organizations are incurring. Mm. I mean, unfortunately in India, we don't generate too much data, but you know, you have US and European studies. And one of them, for example, in the US estimates that stress costs companies around $300 billion in a year. Yes. That's humongous. Yeah. And these are hidden costs, aren't they? They're not like direct cost that you can see on your balance sheet. So, uh, you know, it's kind of goes unnoticed. In the UK, they're saying the cost is around 70 billion to companies every year. And the American Psychiatric Association said that a person with a mental health problem, which could be just stress even, is 35% less productive. Yeah. You know, and I guess attrition or turnover of people is no... I mean, that's another big one because almost 40% turnover, I think some studies have reported, yes. uh, happens as a result of that. Yes. And nowadays we have the great uh, attrition around the world. You know, people, especially in America, are just not going back to work or in Europe. So suddenly there's a challenge in terms of having good people leave organizations. Okay, but why do you think, what are the, some of the factors behind the high levels of stress and anxiety. So 80% of people in most studies say they're stressed. About 20 to 50% say they suffer from anxiety. Why do you think that is? What are the factors behind that? I think to me, the, the first and biggest factor is perhaps a gap between expectation and reality. So often my expectations are ahead of reality. And that I think is the first and foremost cause yeah. of stress, right? And maybe relating to that is the whole fear factor. Working in an organization, I have fears of being a failure. I have fears of evaluation. So these are the two very obvious ones. And there are many others, I think, as we probe deeper. No, you could be afraid of losing your job. 
you're afraid what other people think about you. Okay. Uh, you're comparing yourself with others all the time, unconsciously even. Your mind isn't aware of that. So yeah. somebody is better than you or he's closer to the boss or the boss is talking to him more than he's talking to me. And all those little things start sort of, you know, weighing up. Yeah, and maybe running in a rat race, not even knowing what this race is all about. Yes. And everybody is beginning to run faster <laughs> in some direction. Well, the company is competing with others in the world. So yeah. inside there's pressure on the employees to do Correct. more and more. Um, and of course, you may assume your stress is caused by work, but that may not be true. You might be stressed in general, but you just associate your work or you link your work with that stress. But there's also subtle power games, aren't there, in organizations that can be very distressing, especially in big ones. There's a lot of jostling for position, power, authority. Um, and of course, unhappy relationships are a big cause of uh, stress True. everywhere, whether you're at home or at, or at work, right? Yeah. Everybody wants to be the CEO, for example. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 The other big area, I think, especially in modern times, is that we are at work exposed to a very diverse group of people. Yeah. And the, when you meet somebody who's very different to you, your first instinct is to think, ah, there's something wrong with them. <laughs> or you feel yeah. anxious or disturbed in some way, and that is caused by who they are rather than just the difference between you. So... I know inclusion and diversity is a huge subject in many organizations who are working hard to, to address it. Yes. Um, True. But also, I think sometimes if you have a negative attitude, that can contribute hugely to your own distress, unhappiness, and, and so on. And of course, you blame work for, for all of that. Okay. Absolutely correct. Yeah. All right. So... Let's focus a little bit on stress then and talk about what are the things that we can do in terms of um, how is our approach, the human wisdom approach different in terms of tackling stress? I think the, whatever I have understood and whatever I have even attempted to practice at a personal level, the first and foremost thing is it, it starts with an inquiry. Um, because if you're feeling stress, the first thing that you realize is that we end up externalizing stress. And we believe that stress is getting caused by the events on the outside. Yes. Whereas actually it is caused by our response to the events. Yes. So it's all about the internal state and what it is ending up doing to us, which is the principal cause of stress. Yes. That's really difficult for most people to understand, isn't it? Yep. In fact, the human mind is wired in such a way that the moment I feel stressed or anxious, I think the cause of it is outside. Yeah. Whether it's work or I'll give you, a, I'll tell you a story. I um, used to have two secretaries who worked for me when I was a surgeon in practice. And they worked part time and they job shared. So they only met like half a day a week when they overlapped. Mm -hmm. One of them was super stressed. The other one was completely relaxed. She'd come in in the morning and happily go through the day. 
The one who was stressed always blamed the work for her stress. The phone doesn't stop ringing. There's too much to do. I'm behind my work and so on. And when I used to point out that, look, you've got your colleague who's doing exactly the same job is fine. It was really difficult to convince her that it was her, the way she was reacting or responding to the situation. Because I think our reactions are unconscious, aren't they? That's the key thing. We're not even aware why we're stressed. All we know is, ah, I'm experiencing this stress and it's being caused by, therefore it must be caused by work <laughs> or my boss or my colleague or whatever it is, right? Yeah. I think much in the same way that we tend to also hold, uh, you know, some something external responsible for happiness. If I get this, I'll be happy. If I get that, I'll be happy, right? So yes. a lot of similarities between the two phenomena. Yes, absolutely. So stress in the end is just the difference between how things are and how we want them to be. Yeah. That's all it is. And... How we want them to be comes from our unconscious conditioning influences. Yes. We're not even aware of it. It's just, uh, sorry, give me a second. So we're not even aware of uh, all the unconscious conditioning influences that we might have. We might have certain expectations because of our culture and our background, um, which, and if they are not met, then we can get quite distressed, don't we? Right. I think the other big area is when our emotional needs are not being met. We all, as human beings, have so many emotional needs we're not aware of. So I might have a need, for example, in relation to work, to be recognized, to feel important. Mm. And if I think that my boss isn't making me feel important, or my workplace isn't recognizing my work, then that can stress me out and I can blame the organization for how I'm feeling. Correct, correct. So when I was a surgeon, I used to walk around the wards and at two in the morning, stop at a nurse's desk and say, I remember this conversation. So I said, hey, how are you doing? She said, I'm really stressed, Mr. K. They used to call me Mr. K. I said, why? She said, nobody recognizes my work. It's a thankless job. Mm. And I said, it's such a privilege to do what you're doing, looking after people. Why do you need other people to recognize, you know, your worth? Okay. So that can become such a tremendous cause of distress, especially because you're not aware of that in your background, right? Yes. yes. What about comparison, Vineet? That's a big one in organizations. Can you think of a couple of examples or an example where that, how that plays out? I think to me, the most interesting example is the, uh, for example, the forced comparison that we impose at the end of the year when you do performance uh, assessment, right? Right. So we have something called normalizing. So in the principle of normalizing, it means that the first five or 10% are going to get the top rating. The next 20% are going to get the next higher rating. The last 10% or 5% may even be asked to go because they have a poor rating. Right. So irrespective of what your performance might be, uh, you're forced into some kind of a relative scale, right? Yes. So comparison is completely inbuilt into our system. Yes, yes. So when I, I also work a lot with children and 
at the moment, the process of comparison is unconscious and automatic in our thinking. Mm -hmm. Who's got the, what car are you driving? Um, which um, holidays have you been on? <laughs> What's your salary? You know, all of that. A hundred ways our minds comparing all the time. Yeah. And of course, in any organization, there are going to be people who are above you, better than you, you know. So that's a huge cause of distress. Um, recognition, yeah. as we talked about earlier. So when I talk to children, I learn something so much from them. So I was talking to these 13-year-olds and I said, how would your life change if your mind only compared itself when it needed to? Mm. And not automatically and unconsciously all the time. Yep. And this girl who's only 13 said, I would be free. Mm. So the challenge I think organizations have is stress is a reaction from our thinking to external events. But everyone in the organization assumes it's the organization that's causing my stress. Okay. And of course, yeah. as a result of that directly, the productivity is going down. I'm not saying organizations themselves, of course, can become happier workplaces. You know, you can have more enlightened bosses and so on. What about leadership, uh, Vineet, middle managers and leadership in organizations? How does that contribute to the stress that staff may feel? So I guess, uh, see, again, first thing is, how am I dealing with my own self, right? If my own ability to deal with myself gets restricted because of all the things that we have set up to now, mm. then I'm only transmitting that down the line, isn't it? Yes. My own sense of insecurity, my own sense of comparison, then starts to become the bugbear for the rest of the organization that works under me. Yes. So I think it's almost like a, uh, what is that? what is that effect of a snowballing effect that happens? Yes. I think enlightened leadership is so important. And of course, yeah. most organizations will focus on training up the top C-suite, but it's actually the middle managers and the rest of the organization that really determine the happiness or not of the staff that it, they deal with, right? Yeah, but I mean, I also have a maybe another view, which is often the top management feels that the the training or the education is for others, but not for us. So uh, you also have that different kind of a problem. Correct. Which correct. is that I'm not evolving myself in the process, but I'm expecting others to do so. So I guess it's cutting both ways. Yeah. Yes. So whichever way it works, whether it's the organ, some issues linked to the organization in terms of leadership and workforce, and whether you have a culture of fear, for example, in your organization, because if you live with stress, your productivity drops by 30 to 40%. And if you live with fear, you live with stress. There's no question. Yeah. So what can organizations do? So that's one question. And then what can we do? What can workers do at the other end? How can the organization educate its workforce to deal with challenges in a more resilient way, if you like, and not in the old pattern? Yeah. So I think first thing is I want to put stress dead center and, and talk about it and say that if the whole objective is to manage stress better, let's say in an organization. So let, let me put it this way that the 
any intervention is all about managing that, right? Um, how would I really begin such a journey? Yes. I guess the first aspect, so, so I, you know, whatever change management work that I have done, uh, the framework that I have has a few components. Mm. Uh, one component is commitment. The second component is involvement. And the third component is systems. Okay. And if I just spend a little bit of time on each one of them, please do. So the starting, yeah. So the starting point is how is the top management or the leadership demonstrating its commitment towards managing stress or reducing stress or even building that culture in the organization where people are able to deal with it much better? Right? That's a starting point of the journey. And um, it's very interesting that, you know. Uh, Rajinder is uh, is out here amongst us, and one of the organizations that I worked with, I still remember that one of the objectives that a leadership team member took is that I will not become angry, and he placed this uh, objective right in front on his table, um, and if people were coming and sitting in front of him, uh, sometimes he would get angry. He would immediately look up, and he would find this notification staring him in the face, saying. Thou shall not get angry, right? So first thing is to even take a commitment, make a commitment for your own self. Because unless and until you do that for yourself, how do you really encourage others to do so? There's one so step think, probably before that, Vineet, which is to yeah. recognize that there's an issue. <laughs> Most definitely. Most definitely. Even I'm recognize taking that, as a given. that yeah. mental health and the way I am and the way the organizational culture is, is impacting not just the well-being of staff and yeah. how happy they are, but actually yes. my bottom line, you know, in terms of productivity and all that. And a lot Correct. of organizations don't even have this awareness, right? Absolutely. And I see some people may have an awareness, but then nowadays I also find that everybody is talking about ROI. As if, you know, I mean, uh, I, I pity the HR guy sometimes sitting there saying that, listen, buddy, there is something called faith, right? You have to understand that if you want to develop people or if you want to manage stress, it is going to result in better productivity. No? Do I have to give you a mathematical algorithm to be able to prove that? Yes. So, yeah, I mean, there are those challenges which are somewhere quite distinct by their own sense. But I agree with you that that's a starting point. Okay. So commitment is one from the senior yeah. management. So I guess once the commitment happens, and commitment is one is my own personal commitment in terms of what I am doing, how I am working at it. The other is making resources available in the organization so that other people also have the opportunity to work on their own demons, right? right. And whether it's a training that must be done, whatever it is. The second piece is the involvement piece. Now what happens is commitment means that a few people in the leadership team are going to be doing some, something about it. But change doesn't happen if a few people do it. The flag bearers doing it is an important precondition to provide the fuel. But the fire will be lit up only if many people start doing it. So involvement is another critical step. And if I start unpacking involvement, to me, there are a few things. One is we have to educate people. So even this conversation that we are having about what is stress, why stress, how to deal with it, it's an important part of the education. The other part of the education is how to actually deal with stress, right? Now, you can have physical stress, you can have emotional stress, mental stress, relational stress, even spiritual stress. So how do you really deal with it? You have to educate people. 
and you have to create awareness you have to create education and then you have to encourage people to take up something in their own life like i remember a few months ago i dealt with you know dealt with anger i had anger issues myself and when i came across the human wisdom app i started using it and i started working with it to actually manage my own anger so each one of us has to take responsibility for making one change at least on ourselves because then the collective impact of that is huge in the organization and last but not the least if i say involvement then forming communities because when many people are working together on change and each one i mean they are all supporting each other in that process then a lot can happen exponentially otherwise you know you cut each other out yes so that's the involvement step so three things commitment from the senior management then something to educate the workforce and that we're going to talk about the human wisdom app in a second building communities yeah and i think there's one more which you mentioned when we last spoke which is the systems part of it yeah the rec- recognizing yeah. people and Correct. so so measuring when you when you are bringing about any change we have to make sure that we all create a synergistic pull you know everybody is pulling in the same direction and i believe systems help make that happen so for example appreciating people for the effort this is not about rewarding people this is about appreciating people who participate and who make the effort i mean i still remember some of the gurus i worked with they very clearly say that out of 20 people who run a race one guy wins right everybody rewards him anyway he is very used to that but what about the other 19 who ran the race do we have mechanisms to recognize them and appreciate them? yes the second thing for example is some kind of a measurement mm. which tells you how you're progressing so even the human wisdom app has some elements of it but the organization needs to set up a measure yes and last but not the least you have some kind of a bottom up feedback so if you are implementing all this you have to keep having conversations to see what's coming in your way what's coming in your way what's blocking your way and then make sure that you are able to plan for overcoming that so i get commitment involvement systems are the three pillars on which any of this change management will uh, move forward okay let me take 5 minutes and show the human wisdom app and all the elements that we've created that can help organizations do exactly the things that you've spoken about um so um i thought i'd start with this screen which is inside the work module mm-hmm. which is questions to explore when you're unhappy at work um so why am i unhappy is the reason for that within me or outside of me see that that's a really important question is it because i don't feel valued or important it's very common and why do i need someone else to value me uh, why do i want to give someone else the keys uh, to my own happiness sorry i'm interrupting no we cannot yes. see your screen is it problem with me or everybody's oh no no screen? ah oh can't see my screen i'm sorry rajinder i can see it i'll start again hang on i can see yeah i can see the problem with my uh, setup please go ahead manoj no issues not at all no 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 i'll just start again see um okay so the third question could be can you see now rajinder any any luck please go ahead okay is there another reason behind my unhappiness for example could it be i'm comparing myself to somebody else unconsciously if i stop doing that 
would I be happier? Or are there some other unmet expectations behind my unhappiness? For example, can I examine these expectations? Are they reasonable? Uh, can I let them go? If I could, could I be happier? Can I accept people as they are? <laughs> so much distress, because I was in the hospital system for 30 years. This caused because you can't accept somebody who's different to you as they are. Do I look at the look at the world, the glass half full or half empty? And sometimes this is hardwired into our brain. People don't even aware of this in their own thinking. The moment they become aware, ah, I'm just looking at things negatively. That's the reason why I'm stressed and unhappy. So I could just turn a switch, and immediately that would make a big difference to the organization and to me. Or look, am I bringing my unhappiness from home to work? Um, but so this is the work module. It's got uh, four sessions. There's also a podcast on being happy at work and workplace relationships. And then this leads you back to the entire app. So we're just going to redo the interface. But broadly speaking, uh, it goes up and down and right to left. It's got 60 plus modules, about 6,000 screens. It's based on one simple thing helping people understand themselves and how their own minds work. The more you understand yourself, the easier it is to understand others because deep down, we're the same human being. Our minds work in the same way, just like our hearts do. Um, so Vineet mentioned the uh, survey. So we have a wisdom survey, which gives someone a wisdom score. So as they go through the program, that score changes. And then organizations, we can share that data with organizations in an anonymized way. And then organizations can compare that with their own internal metrics. Is it resulting in less sickness absence or less stress or happier employees or whatever? And we have a number of podcasts in our podcast section linked to the world of work. So uh, freedom from prejudice and racism covers diversity and inclusion, or how do you lead with wisdom? Uh, how can we make better decisions? How can we solve problems, have a positive mindset, live with compassion, be happy at work? And again, we assume that it's the organization that's responsible for my happiness, and this explores it from different angles. Or why do we argue? Now, as we go down, this is an introduction to wisdom, the first section. The next section is really handy for people who are in trouble right now. So we have a section where you can have 10 minute long videos on stress, anxiety, anger, or uh, and immediately you can get tips on what you can do next. Um, the sections that are really relevant for organizations are here. Like we're all conditioned, but we're not aware of it. Or our mind's comparing all the time, or it's reactive. Then we explore our emotions, including fear and anxiety, which is a big part of being human anger. And of course, when you're angry, you assume the other person is responsible for your anger. But of course, it's just a trigger from your own thinking. And then we have 16 sections on how to live with wisdom and four organizations. For example, we have a huge module on stress, the causes of stress and meeting stress with wisdom. And I'll share a link to this so you can um, browse this at your leisure. But there's modules on stress, relationships, um, 
happiness, communication, all of this can be improved if you live with this deeper self-understanding. Exploring success and failure. You know, leaders are under much more pressure than their workers are. And how do leaders build their own inner resilience? Or how to deal with money, work, and then there's a whole module on leadership. So I'm gonna let um, everyone browse that at leisure, uh, Vineet. Um, yep. So let's then end by asking, how does all this help organizations? Why should they bother? Because after all, it's time, commitment, some money involved, uh, relatively low cost in terms of the Human Wisdom app because the advantage is every person in your organization can then be on the same page uh, in terms of this deeper understanding and wisdom. So why should organizations bother? And why should they bother with Human Wisdom and not you know, one of the other apps which just help you to be calm or meditate or breathe or whatever? No, absolutely. And I think before I answer that question in a generic way, I also want to say that whilst I've been working on the subject of well-being and taking it into the organizations, for me, this app has come as a, you know, very refreshing breath. Because what I realize is that we all need pocket companions. Um, you know, it's like a just-in-time. It's not very easy to get people into classrooms and teach them about different elements of stress, for example. Depending upon my own reality and my own context, I can just draw that wisdom as and when I need it in the doses that I need it and the time that is available to me in which I can make it available to myself. So I think to me, that's the first and foremost uh, big aspect about the human wisdom repository, as I, as I like to call it. I think in terms of benefits, whatever I have seen from my experience, first thing is, you know, if I feel lighter, and, and this may sound very simple, but I can feel very tight working in an organization or I can feel very light working in an organization. When I feel lighter as a result of all this, you know, all this pressure is not there on my head. I believe I bring a lot more of myself to the organization. And of course, all the HR experts will tell you that what that measures is people engagement score. <laughs> so, mm. so I think first and foremost, it's the levels of engagement that you can hope to get. And then obviously, there are some very obvious benefits of getting higher people engagement, because whether it's attrition levels or whether it is productivity, and each one of them can directly uh, be converted into financial costs. Yes. I may not be able to make a complete formula out of this, not yet till we maybe have enough information going around. But as we shared right in the beginning, certain metrics are already available. They're already there. I've come across yeah. data which show staff that are more engaged result in 20% more sales or Correct. you know, 40, 30, 40% less staff attrition or direct impact on sickness absence. But the, right. the more subtle thing that's harder to measure is how the culture of the organization changes where it becomes a place where people are happy to come to work, where senior management, you're a boss, you're, a, you're happy to be challenged by people. In fact, you know, you have a culture where people are able to challenge each other, live without fear, with compassion, goodness. I mean, how much compassion is there in organizations, you see? Yeah. Kindness, compassion, you know, it's the thing that oils the wheels of human activity and behavior. And somehow it's gone missing in most organizations in the world and it has a direct impact on outcomes. Uh, true. Very true. 
Okay. All right. So let's pause there, uh, Vineet, and open this up to our guests who are here with us today. And um, let's hear from them and see what their perspectives might be. Yeah. Dominic, you've been in organizations for a long time and uh, seen lots of, you know, been in education, but same. It's just an organization with people. What it is. What would you like? Could you add something to this discussion, perhaps? Um, I'm not sure whether I can add something. It's it's been really well explored, and I really appreciate it. Um, I think what was um, what was coming up for me, um, it, it it is this responsibility, actually, um, and this personal responsibility. Um, and as you said, Manoj, it's, it's really hard for people to, um, to accept that. You know, one of the questions that, that you, you mentioned in the, uh, in the app there was, you know, is, is my stress coming from the organization or is it coming from inside? I'm sure the answer that many people will give, well, well it's obviously, it's the organization. It's got nothing to do with me. And if they did that, then I would be okay. And, um, that for me, it's it's kind of exploring that barrier really, um, and and trying to get people to see it from a from a, a different perspective. I, you know, I, I use the the traffic jam analogy that you use. You know, it, it's quite simple, isn't it? If we're all in a traffic, if all of us on this call were in a traffic jam, we'd have as many different reactions to the traffic jam. You know, some some would be cursing and, and expecting cars to get out of their way so they can get through because they're, they're more important. Some people would be switching the radio on and relaxing back and thinking, oh, well, I can, I can accept this and, and very various levels within. But until we see, until we see that it's an ex-internal reaction, then it's going to be really difficult. But I think once you see it, and I've said this before, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And for me, what, one of the things that's different about the Human Wisdom Project is it isn't about putting um, first aid in place, actually. That's a sticking plaster after things have happened or, or trying to manage the stress after, you know, as Vinit said about the, you know, anger management. Actually, there are many things that you can do once you've once you're in the anger, you know, and, and certainly with, with children, I used to deal with children who were, I used to call in the red zone where you couldn't speak to them. You had to, you know, get them to calm down first and then approach it from there. Now, for me, that's, that's kind of partly like a first aid thing. The, the power is in actually, let's go deeper. And what causes my anger? What causes that in the first place? And that for me is the, the essential difference with the human wisdom project it's not a sticking plaster it's not a let's do some meditation and and then we can we can feel okay for today and then tomorrow we'll be back in it again and oh no here we go actually let's get to the root cause of this so that it's not just about feeling better for now it's about feeling better for good and it's preventative that's the other key thing yeah. so if you live with this wisdom most of the time, we respond after the event, don't we, Vinny? But living with this deeper self-understanding helps us to avoid problems. And as you know, preventing problems is just so much easier than trying to overcome them. Um, 
Do you have anything to add, Vineet? Because you've done the anger module yourself in the app, but how did that particularly affect you? Yeah, I think for me, the biggest realization when I was working on myself and taking help of the app was that the primary source of anger within me was emerging from my own expectations, right? Uh, so even though I was managing it pretty well with outsiders, but with my own close family, uh, I, I mean, they are your, they are your biggest uh, A-level test in any case in life, right? So um, the issues were there that you expect somebody to behave in a particular way, and um, and I, I realized that at least slowly I could shift the whole thing from not bursting out in anger to uh, making it, making the frequency less, making the amplitude less, to perhaps very slowly touching the, uh, the elements of prevention. But I can tell you, holding it isn't easy. Uh, uh, despite all this journey, sometimes uh, I do see myself getting away. But I think the biggest thing is I'm now constantly aware and that awareness begins to arise before any bursting happens. So I'm able to contain it a lot more. <laughs> yes, no, no. It's a journey for all of us, you see. Yeah. But that first step, as Dominic said, to realize that I am responsible for my own anger. <laughs> it's not somebody else. I think that's the key. Thank you. Bye-bye. This podcast comes to you from the Human Wisdom Project. To find out more about all the issues we've discussed here, please visit our website, humanwisdom.me. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.